Welcome to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you have questions related to what you hear today, or just want to find out more about the ministries at First United Methodist Church, please visit us online at fumcbentonville.org, or check us out on Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok. Thank you, Ken and Casey and gathering band. That is, it was absolutely beautiful. I could just listen to them sing all morning. It's too bad I have to get up here and preach. That's just gorgeous. I, I, I could, especially that opening song. That was so beautiful. I could just, you could sing that for another 20 minutes as far as I'm concerned. Good morning, church. Welcome this morning. I, um, I'm welcoming you to worship. I appreciate you all being here. I'm Ray Wheeler. Um, I'm, um, uh, so uh, happy that uh, you've decided to join us for worship. If you're here or if you're online, we appreciate you being here for worship. Um, let me wish everybody a happy new year. Uh, one of my young people in uh, the chancel choir, Blaine Hill, posted this message on New Year's Day. He said, my wish for the year uh, 2023 is that everything that happens will be totally precedented. I am tired of unprecedented let it be so, Lord. Amen. Amen. I hear that amen out there. Uh, this morning, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm wanting to um, talk about uh, Genesis. We're reading the Bible s- straight through, lid to lid, as my uh, grandfather used to say. And um, we're going to read in Genesis this morning. And fair warning, if you have never read all of the Old Testament, I read all of it a couple of years ago. And if this were a, a like a... Oh, let's say it's a show on a streaming service. You'd get that screen at the beginning that says TVMA, and then it would tell you, you know, super violence. The children need to be in bed. It's pretty rough. The the Old Testament's pretty rough. So I just want to, you know, prepare you for that. I was surprised. The story that surprises me that's kind of uh, appropriate for our sermon this morning is uh, in chapter 12, if you're keeping up with the reading, you may have been shocked to realize that... uh, Abraham is traveling through Egypt, and he says, we're in a foreign land, and he looks at, at uh, Sarah, and he says, you are beautiful, baby. <laughs> Somebody is going to kill me to possess you. Uh, let's tell everybody you're my sister, which is a half-truth. She's his half-sister. And then the Pharaoh's people see her, and, and, and of course, sure enough, they go, Pharaoh, this, uh, and Pharaoh takes her into his house as a wife, and he gives Abram a whole lot of stuff. He gives him livestock and gold, and a lot of scholars think that Haggai, his servant, was probably an Egyptian princess that Pharaoh gave her, and then he realizes his mistake and, and all that, and, but Abram keeps all the stuff, and, and uh, the Pharaoh comes to him and says, hey, why did you tell me, Here, here's your wife back, but keep all your stuff, and I'll guard you as you go through. Um, so um, uh, we... We can see that, that Abram, I always had a sort of a Sunday school view of Abram, you know? Like when you're a kid and you're painting these pictures and Abraham's there with the knife and the robes and he, you just think, oh, this is a giant, a, a moral giant. He is not a moral giant. He's kind of a coward and a, a liar, actually. So keep that in mind. Abraham is flawed, and all the folks in the Old Testament are flawed, and they don't, the Old Testament doesn't color that over. It's a, they're flawed and human. But the, the beautiful part is God's still there. God's still working with them. So I don't know. I don't know about you. That gives me a little hope. <laughs> I can't, I'm not as bad as Abram. 
No, maybe I'm gonna, maybe I'm, maybe I'm okay. So my scripture text this morning is found in Genesis chapter 15, and I'm using the NRSV translation this morning. So listen for the word of God contained in this holy scripture. After all these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no offspring, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look towards the heaven and count the stars if you're able to count them. Then he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Then he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. And he said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And he said to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these and cut them in two, laying each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in two. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and a deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know this for certain, that your offspring shall be aliens in a land that is not theirs, and shall be slaves there, and they shall be oppressed for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterwards... They shall come out with great possessions. And as for you, you shall go to your ancestors in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. And on that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your descendants I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates. This is the word of the Lord for us, the people of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Holy God, we invite your spirit into our worship this morning. Grant us a deeper knowledge of who you are and show us your desires to work in our lives. Holy God, speak through me this morning so that because of me or in spite of me, your will may be known to your people. We pray this the name of Jesus, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So many, I, as I started researching this, many Old Testament scholars refer to this as one of the most important chapters in the Old Testament. So wh- why is it so important? Uh, if you've ever seen a, a superhero movie, I, I would, it would be very surprising if you haven't seen it. I've seen some and didn't realize they were superhero movies. Till I got There's so many of them. And, you know, they always have one element, the origin story. It could be a radioactive spider bite, or it could be seeing your parents robbed and murdered like Bruce Wayne, or it could be you're in a rock, you're a baby in a rocket, and you have to be blasted off a planet before it blows up. You you know those origin stories. As this chapter uh, opens, we realize this is the origin story for us as Christians— who believe in Christ. It's the origin story, of course, for the Jewish nation, and it's also the origin story for the, for the Muslim nation. 
Uh, as this chapter opens, we hear God speaking to Abram and telling him, do not be afraid. I'm your shield and your reward is very great. A lot of translations say, I'm your benefactor and your reward is great. I'm with you. So this is not the first time God has spoken to Abram. Earlier in Genesis, uh, you know, uh, he, uh, God came to him and said, hey, pull up stakes, leave, take all your stuff. I'm going to send you to another land and I'm going to have you possess it and your children possess it, this land of promise. So they had a lot of money and a lot of servants and a lot of slaves and a lot of livestock, and they just pile them all up and head out. And, and they don't have any idea where they're going. So what makes this story, or this time an origin story, a special story when God speaks to Abram, is that Abram speaks back to God. Abram has a conversation with God. He shows his human weakness by expressing his doubts and his fears. And rather than being angry with Abram, the one true God answers Abram's doubts and fears. And God, on this occasion, makes two covenants with Abram. First, God promises the 85-year-old Abraham, Abram, Abraham, he hasn't had his name changed yet. So if you hear Abram, think Abraham, or if you hear Abraham, think Abram. He promises the 85-year-old Abram that he and the 75-year-old Sarai will have children and that the slave they have appointed as a legal heir from Damascus won't inherit their their goods and their, their livelihood afterwards. And God gives him that visual when he says, count the stars. Your descendants will be more than the stars in heaven. And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as righteousness. Some translations said, Abraham had faith, and God saw the faith as righteousness. Now, verse 6 is the crux of the story, particularly for us. That's, that's our origin story. The second covenant God makes in this chapter is when he says, I'll give your descendants land from the river of Egypt, great river of Egypt, to the river Euphrates. And Abram again says, hey, boy, how am I going to know this? And God says, bring me the heifer and the goat and the, you know, all those things. And weirdly, he doesn't tell Abram what to do, but Abram cuts them and he kills them, cuts them in half and lays the parts out. And very likely he dug a shallow trench between them to have the blood run into the trench. And I thought when I read this, oh, uh, this is a foreshadowing of when they're going to do animal sacrifice and, and, and Yahweh is going to tell them how to push their sins ahead. But I found out that's not really the case. Uh, during this time in Abram's culture, this was a way to seal a, a covenant or a treaty. So two, if two rulers came together, they made a treaty, they would kill these animals, cut them in half, have this trench with the blood, and each one who was agreeing to the covenant would walk through that blood, walk through that trench, and get it on the sandals and feet. And what it was symbolically saying was, I, if, if I break this covenant, may I be like these animals. May you walk through my blood, basically. It's pretty ugly. <laughs> the brilliant American novelist uh, Cormac McCarthy in one of his books, had his characters say this, men do not trust anything not proven by blood. And that's really true in the Old Testament as you read along. So when it's dark, Abram sees a flaming torch and a smoking pot that passes 
between the animal halves. And always in the Old Testament, when you read flames and smoke, that's the presence of God. So that's a symbol of the presence of God. And God is passing through. He's basically, God is walking through like he's, a, he's making that covenant with Abram. But notice, he doesn't ask Abram to walk through. God is saying, I'm making a covenant with you, and I'm going to hold by a covenant, but I'm, not requ- I'm only requiring you one thing. Have faith. Believe in me, and that's all you have to do. Now, let me talk a minute about faith. I've thought about faith a lot in my life. It's kind of a paradox. I, ha- I ran into the paradox while I was writing this sermon. If, if we know something, for sure, we can't have faith in that thing, right? Um, so a paradox means, you know, there, the, the meaning of this is hidden in some contradictions. So if I observe something, I go to a lab and do tests, or I know something in an empirical way, I can't have faith in that thing because I know it's real. It's not possible for me to have faith. Faith has to be something I don't actually know, but I believe. I'm, I'm, I'm on to that. It's hard to put that all in the, the same idea. I can't, for instance, for me, I can't have faith that I live with a cat because I wake up with it on my chest every morning. I can't, that make no sense to me. I have a faith that I have a cat. No, you have a cat on your chest, buddy. It's, it's there. You, you know, you can't, you can't have that faith. So in a poetic way, you can say that at the heart of a powerful faith is the seed of doubt. And, and this, many of our forebearers in, um, in Christian faith, Wesley and others, would refer to this as a holy agnosticism. And that's healthy. If anyone ever comes up to you and goes, I know what God wants. You go, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> I, you know, I, th- that's just not the way this works. And a healthy faith, a, an authentic faith, recognizes I don't know everything, but I believe in the goodness of God, and God's going to get me through this. And that's hard. That's not a, that's not a pleasant place to be. The Danish philosopher and theologian uh, Sean Kierkegaard thought a lot about faith, and Kierkegaard calls Abraham Abraham a knight of faith, K-N-I-G-H-T, knight. He's a warrior of faith. Kierkegaard's imagining Abraham might have had doubts and questions, especially Kierkegaard really focuses later in Genesis where God tells him, oh, this son I gave you that you waited 100 years for? Go sacrifice Isaac. And Kierkegaard imagines sort of poetically Abram waking up in the middle of the night going, is this really you, God? Am I really hearing the voice of God? Because, hey, human sacrifice was not part of their culture. But God was telling Abram to do it. And even with the doubts and fears, Abram was willing to carry that out. Now, what does that mean for us today here? Right here in FUMC Bentonville. As followers of Christ, we are connected to this origin story by our faith in Christ. In fact, I think the reason these Old Testament scholars said, wow, that's a really important uh, uh, verse in the Old Testament, is that it gets quoted a lot. It's in Psalms, that sixth verse I'm talking about. It's in Psalms, it's in James, it's in Galatians, it's in Hebrew. And in Galatians, I'm just going to read one example. Paul admonishes the church at Galatia, whose members have been following a false teacher, who is, this false teacher is coming in, he's saying, you have to follow the Jewish laws and traditions to be redeemed by Christ. 
Paul fought this all through the New Testament. People saying, you've got to follow the old rules to be, to be in. But Paul says in Galatians, so again I ask, does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by your believing what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. We are children of Abraham. You know, uh, Paul says a lot of crazy things to try to get us to get this. He even says, you know, people are going around saying, you have to get circumcised and you have to follow all the rules. And Paul says, you're circumcised in your heart. (laughs) You're spiritually circumcised. We're followers of Abraham. So let me just bring it down to us right now. I have seen us on the cusp of something big, I think. I'm going to... I'm going to step out by faith and tell you, I think we're heading somewhere. And I've seen examples of that, but I think God is saying to us, have faith, reach out, take some chances, and pray and believe, and I'll be there. When I've seen it, just some examples I'll give you is, by faith, we adopted a a radical welcoming policy. We felt God was calling us as a congregation, and there was a, lot of, there was a lot of worry about that. There was a lot of, is this the right thing to do? Is this going to destroy us, or is this going to take us somewhere? And I believe that was what God was calling us to do, and we've welcomed radically a lot of folks. And some of you sitting here are brand new, and, and I see an excitement in the older folks who have been here a long time, not older necessarily, but people who have been here a long time. I see that. Another example is uh, when Pastor Michelle says to us, hey, we've got this debt, and we, we really need to retire this debt, and we have this time of jubilee. Now, I'm going to be honest. Now, Pastor Michelle thought, I need to probably give this what? I need to give this some time. You know, maybe six months. Maybe we'll see where we are. And Am I right? Am I, I'm not telling bad stories on you, am I? And guess what? We believed, and then we saw that Debt was paid off in record time. We did it in about a week. We had all this stuff planned. Oh, we're going to celebrate this way. We're going to, oh no, forget it. We did it. So that's the example of us saying, we step out. We say, I believe. And we, and it's not without works, clearly, but we believe that and God gave that increase. Um, for us, I also see that we're, we're feeling that, and I see you feeling that, and I see the new people coming in with that excitement, and I, I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, let's continue, let's think bigger, let's pray bigger, let's have faith that's bigger. So the, the, the kind of the phrase that I think about when I think of this is, when you think about faith, it's I believe it, and then I see it. You know, we, we have that saying, it's in our, you know, it's just, in our subconscious, I, I believe it when I see it. That's the wrong attitude for us now. We're, we're on the cusp of something big. And I think we need to say, I believe it, and then I'm going to see it. Beloved, let's pray that the Holy Spirit, our collective faith, blesses our worship and our ministry and our outreach and makes them dynamic and joyful. And yes, messy, and it's going to be far-reaching. I think we're going to reach much further than we can imagine right now or see. So let's pray together. We're going to believe and then let's see God give us the increase in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from First United Methodist Church in downtown Bentonville. If you would like to let us know you were here, follow the link below to connect. To participate in worship through giving, you can give online at fumcbentonville.org or on Venmo at fumcbentonville. FUMC Bentonville welcomes all. Because we believe the communion table is God's table, we invite everyone into our church family. We welcome and celebrate every race, gender, gender identity, sexual orientation, marital status, age, physical and mental ability, national origin, economic station, and political ideology. We come together in action and outreach, aspiring to follow Jesus' example of radical hospitality, love, and grace as a transformative movement in our community. Please join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m., both in person and on Facebook Live. All are welcome, and we'd love to have you with us. Grace and peace.